time to bring you another edition of the Pastime Podcast. With your host, Gage Kirkland, this is The Hard 90. We're back on our old intro music as well today, and hey, if you enjoy listening, please be sure to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. So here we are in March 2022, and we have spring training. Thank God. On the brink of disaster, MLB avoids doomsday. We're back on track. A CBA was agreed upon by the owners and the players' union, and it saved a 162-game season. For the longest time, we obviously had doubts about whether or not we'd get a deal done, if it was going to be early, if it was going to be later on, if it was going to be done at all. There were people on the internet speculating that we might not see a deal for the longest time, let alone to save any semblance of a, of a regular season or normal season. But we got it done. Players Union and the owners agreed on a deal that saved the full season. And there are plenty of rule changes for this year and the years to follow. So I'm just going to walk through a few of them, not all, but a few of them that are going to be uh, very, very impactful right away, and then we're sort of going to touch on the ones that are going to be coming up in you know next year and the years uh, after that. So the biggest one that affects the whole league, or mostly the whole league, is the Universal DH. That's coming back for this year, and that means pitchers in the National League will not be hitting anymore. So... The NL has a DH for the first time since 2020 in the shortened COVID season. And it'll be continuing on for the foreseeable future as long as this CBA is still intact. And that is good news for NL ball clubs because now you don't need your pitcher hitting uh, every fifth day or every day that you're playing in your home ballpark. And that's good for pretty much anybody. Um you know, big slugger Nelson Cruz, he went to the Washington Nationals, and he's been in the American League his whole career. So, the Universal DH is here, and it's here to stay. So, NL clubs, biggest impact on them. Obviously, AL clubs, this has been the deal forever, but it's a very good thing for NL teams, and we'll see how it really affects the league now that everybody has the same playing field. And I'm going to miss the days, and you know, in the World Series, where when the AL teams come to the NL Park and their pitcher has to hit, um, it's going to be different, put it that way. Also, sort of in the same breath, is the Otani rule, and that's what it's being dubbed as. And what this Otani rule is, is the league is now changing uh, this for the first time. If a pitcher is pitching and DHing for himself and he gets removed from the mound he can still stay in the game as the DH and it's dubbed the Otani rule quite literally because Shohei Otani is the guy who DHs for himself and then once he gets pulled from the game he can't hit anymore and obviously for the Angels that is 
a disadvantage. You obviously want one of your best hitters in the lineup, and MLB noticed that and changed the rule. So when Otani is pitching and DHing for himself, and he gets pulled from the mound or he gets replaced on the pitcher's mound, he can stay in the game to hit for the rest of the night. I think that's awesome. Um, you know, because now if there are other DHs or other pitchers who come up who can hit, it, you know, it's 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 improving the way that the game can be played and allowing these guys to stay in for as long as they can. And again, it's about keeping your best players in the game. So I like it a lot. I also like the Universal DH a lot too. Um, <laughs> I was indifferent about the Universal DH. At first, I didn't really want it, but now I like it. Um, so that and the Otani rule, very cool things. Also, the postseason has ex- has been expanded to 12 teams. 12. Used to be 10. So the wildcard era, it initially saw eight. So you had three division winners and then the one wildcard team that made it. And then they switched it to have the wildcard game. So you added another team in each league, so that made it 10. And that's what we've had since about 2013, 2014, I believe. 2020 saw a 12-season postseason, or 12-team postseason format. It was either that or 14, I can't remember exactly. But it was similar to what we're going to be having here in the future. And the top seed in each league will get a bye, kind of like in football. And... Seeds two through six will get to play each other in a wild card round format where the highest seeds uh, host all three games. So it's a three game series and they get to host all three. So the two seed, I think the two seed picks uh, between the six and the five seed, I believe. And then the three seed gets to pick the remaining, um, also the four seeds in there. I don't know exactly how it works, but all I do know is that the the one seed gets the buy, and there's some sort of picking aspect in there. So it'll be very interesting to see how it goes. It's it'll be different from 2020. So the postseason format will be different from what we saw in that COVID season, but it, it's changed. So no longer are we having the 10 team postseason, and where there will be one wild card game. The one game wild card game is gone. That's gone forever. So you won't have teams who have won 100 games or 99 games come in and play a one-game playoff to decide their fate for the season. That's history. It's now the one seed in each league, American and National, get the bye, and then the rest of the teams, the two seed through the six seed, play in a three-game series, and that is dubbed the wild card round. And then the next round is the National League and American League Division Series and then the Championship Series and World Series. So it's going to get tougher, more series, more games. Um, But again, that's good for the league because it makes more money. Next is the draft lottery. So like basketball, the MLB is uh, starting a draft lottery that will de-incentivize tanking. Because now, if there's a draft lottery, you can still be mediocre and miss the playoffs and still get that number one pick. It could still happen, right? So I like that. You know, you have odds to to swoop and get that number one pick. Again, just like basketball, I don't know if they're going to do a, you know, ping pong ball lottery style. That always adds a nice element to it, an element of excitement. 
But again, we'll see how it goes. Draft lottery is coming to baseball. Now for the things that aren't happening this year in 22 and that will happen next year in 2023. Major League Baseball is increasing the size of the bases. So the bases are getting bigger. And it's not that bigger, but, you know, it's it's supposed to improve safety. So less guys are going to get stepped on when there are close plays at first base. Um, again, it's another way to keep guys on the field, uh, keep competition up. As long, and I, I would understand that the bases aren't changing, like the distance between home and first isn't changing and all those things. Um, they're just increasing the size so that, again, people don't step on each other and there's more room, I guess. I like it, so don't really have an issue with that. The shift, the shift will be banned after 2023, or after this season. So starting in 2023, the shift will be banned, which means players cannot shift overly and uh, play in right, short right field for left-handed hitters and stuff like that. Now, I don't exactly understand how the umpires will enforce this because I feel like there's a level of shifting that's acceptable, right? Because maybe if the shortstop is still in the left side of the infield, like if he's in line with second base or even just a little bit, you know, toward his position, that's okay. Or as soon as he hits the outfield grass, that's unacceptable. I don't know. Like the terms of that are still very unclear. And it seems like a pretty big gray area, too, of exactly where shortstop can play because there aren't any lines other than the outfield grass and the infield dirt. That's the only natural line that we have. So other than that, I don't know what is going to be enforced, what is going to be used, stuff like that. So we will see, and that will be happening starting next year. And also the loss of ghost runners will be occurring next year. So this year it was agreed upon to still have the runner at second base starting in extra innings. Now again, I don't know if that's the case for the postseason. It likely will not be, but it might be. Uh, So we'll see as the uh, season progresses. But the runner on second base will still be happening this year, and it will be gone starting next year. So those are the main rule changes that were uh, that occurred. Obviously, the uh, the CBT was changed, the competitive balance tax, which is how much money teams can spend. Um, the players wanted more, the owners wanted less. They all compromised. They all got uh, close to what they wanted. And we're not going to go into the numbers today, but uh, it, it took a long time for these players to get the deal done with the owners. And it, just everything that came about it, we have baseball. And that's the beautiful thing. So props to the players, props to the owners for getting the job done. But one thing that really stuck out during the lockout was the way that it was handled by the commissioner of baseball. That's Rob Manfred. And to me, he has solidified himself as the worst commissioner in the history of the sport. Now, again, he got a full season. And, again, credit where credit's due. A full season, 162 games, the agreement's been made, congratulations. Truly, like, that's big props to Rob Manfred in baseball. 
but how it got there was unacceptable. He said missing games would be a disastrous outcome to baseball, and even though we're not going to miss any real games, spring training is completely shortened. It's compressed, and again, with baseball, you have uh, pitchers and these hitters have have um, lead-ups to the regular season. They have routines, and these routines are not going to be nearly as the same this year. And just my prediction, you'll see pitchers and other players getting hurt because their arms aren't ready or their whatever body parts they use are not ready for the season. And he said it would be a disastrous outcome to baseball and that it's a defensive lockout, or it was, and that it would jumpstart negotiations. And then the league waited 43 days to propose their first offer. More than a month before they even reached out. Despite not missing any games in 2022, procrastination and poor leadership resulted in a very ugly negotiation process that a lot of people agreed that wasn't happening in good faith. Until the end. Until like the last week. So that was, that was just awful. And we're past it. Again, props to props to Manfred, props to baseball for getting it done. But still, it was ugly. And we all know everything else that he's done. He called uh, the World Series trophy a piece of metal. The Astros sign-stealing scandal was abysmal. We even have papers um, that are trying to be uncovered about a cheating scandal from the Yankees in 2015 that apparently was covered up by the league and there have been reports that it you know has been trying to be unveiled and this would be huge again 2015 Yankees like <laughs> and if baseball has been covering this up I mean it, it kind of begs the question what else are they hiding so we obviously know what happened with the Astros cheating scandal and the lack of accountability that was held on the players. The MLB moved the All-Star game last year too abruptly due to political considerations. And of course, whether or not you agree with the politics, the way the city of Atlanta and the Braves were treated was horrible. It cost the Atlanta economy over $100 million for moving the All-Star game about a month before the event. Now, of course, the Braves in the city got their revenge by winning the World Series a few months later, but still, I mean, the way that was handled was, it just wasn't, it wasn't it. Now, again, politics aside, the way it was handled was not good. He fired also one of the most respected journalists in the sport, Ken Rosenthal, due to critical reporting. Again, it's kind of like a dictator running around and and uh, disposing of people who disagree with him. It sucks. And relations with the union have gotten worse over time. People on Twitter, including players, have shown their displeasure with Manfred. And even Marcus Stroman said he's got to go. And I agree. Manfred's got to go. Because after all this... He has cemented his legacy. 
So now that we got all the uh, updates and bad stuff out of the way, now it's on to the fun stuff here on the Hard 90. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the uh, events that have gone on in spring training, and we're going to look at the power rankings, the Hard 90 power rankings for this season, and which teams added the most impactful free agents or trade or signings. And we're going to take a look at that right now. So we're going to stop from, or we're going to start from the top and go down to number one. So let's start with the number ten team, according to the Hard Ninety, and that's the San Francisco Giants. This team won the NOS last year, dethroning the Dodgers, and they won 107 games. Very good team. They did lose Buster Posey out of retirement, but they added a lot of very solid pieces, and they kept a lot of guys from last season that were very impactful. One guy in particular, Carlos Rodon from the White Sox. This guy can throw upper 90s and touch 100. He's a nice lefty starter. And the Giants, they'll be back. I mean, they're a good team. So they're at number 10. At number 9, we have the Milwaukee Brewers. They added Hunter Renfro, which is a nice, strong righty bat. And the rotation and their pen are still very strong. They didn't really spend a lot of money in the offseason. But when you have the kind of success that this team does, you really don't need to change a lot. Now, obviously, uh, adapt or die is the uh, phrase we like to use around here. But the or the uh, the Brewers, they're still doing enough. So they're at number nine, still a very good ball club as well. At number eight, the Houston Astros. They did lose Carlos Correa, which is a big loss for that team, and they wanted to bring him back. So it's a lot of big shoes to fill. But still, very talented ball club. They still have a lot of guys who can play uh, at a very high level. So they're at number eight. At number seven are the New York Yankees. Now, this is a very interesting team, obviously. Um, came up short last year. And Aaron Boone is still the manager. Whether or not you agree, that's the best decision for the team. You know, hey, it is what it is. And they got rid of Luke Voigt. Gary Sanchez is gone. So they have a few new faces around the club. So we'll see how this Yankee team gels together there at number seven. And across the boroughs at number six, the New York Mets uh, are, are uh, there on this power ranking. They did lose Marcus Stroman, but arguably got a much better starter in return in Max Scherzer. And in my opinion, the Jacob deGrom Max Scherzer one-two punch is one you would not want to see in a three-game wild card series. So again, the Mets are going to be very dangerous, especially in a short series with those two arms leading the charge. At number five, it's the Tampa Bay Rays. And they're a young team, you know. They did lose Nelson Cruz, but Wander Franco is there to carry the weight. He's going to be an MVP someday, and this Rays team is still very good. Went to the World Series in 2020, almost got there again in 21. It's a team to watch out for. So the Rays at five. At number four, the Chicago White Sox. And again, kind of like the Brewers, they didn't really change much. They still have a great team, solid group, a really good pen, and not really much has changed. But a lot of their guys are young and developing, and they're only going to get better. So the White Sox are at number four. People have put them higher, um, but I see a few other teams that are still a little bit better and at number three, the Toronto Blue Jays. The team, in my opinion, that's the best in the AL at number three. They did lose Marcus Simeon, 
Robbie Ray. However, the trade to acquire Matt Chapman and the extension of him proved to be awesome. I mean, that lineup is going to be absolutely dangerous with um, Springer at the top, Bo Bichette, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. That infield, for, for one, is going to be amazing. So the Blue Jays at three would not be shocked at all if they came out of the American League in the World Series this year. And at number two are the Los Angeles Dodgers. They did lose Corey Seager, Kenley Jansen. They were able to retain Clayton Kershaw to a one-year deal. But the biggest addition that they had was none other than Freddie Freeman, the newest addition for the Dodgers, and he's going to provide a lot of pack. He's going to pack a lot of punches in that lineup. It's probably one of the best lineups I've seen uh, that any team has fielded. And questions about Cody Bellinger are starting to arise. He has had 15 at-bats in spring training this far and has 10 strikeouts. Maybe more of the same of last year. We'll see. And at number one are the Atlanta Braves. And I I just personally, uh, at the beginning of the year like this, unless major changes are made to dethrone the World Series champion from that number one spot, of course, this will change over time. And the Braves may not be at the top spot the whole time. And you know, the rankings will will move around quite literally, but I couldn't justify moving the Braves out of the top spot. Even though they lost Freddie Freeman, they did acquire Matt Olson and locked him up for a long time, and he had a monster year last year with Oakland. He is going to be a very, very good first baseman for them for a long time. And truth be told, it's... I don't know if it's a downgrade, per se, from going to Freeman to Olsen. I mean, those two guys are very good. Freddie Freeman, obviously, is a cornerstone and was a franchise player. I was shocked when they didn't re-sign him, personally. But you're not losing much when you're going to Matt Olsen. Again, Matt Olsen had a great year last year. He's a little unproven. He hasn't really done it a lot. But if he continues that success, the Braves are not going anywhere. So those are my top ten. The power rankings in spring training prior to the beginning of the regular season. So now let's talk about the most impactful free agent signings and trades. So we're going to go with the top three here. We're going to start at three. At number three, I believe Scherzer to the Mets makes them a very tough team to face in a short series. I mentioned it before, but again, pitching is very important and Scherzer making a ton of money if he and DeGrom can stay healthy, I wouldn't want to face the Mets in a short series. I don't know who would. And this team's going to be around. They got a lot of guys and, you know, lol Mets. That's the joke with these uh, with this organization. But, man, they're spending money and they're trying to win now. So it puts them in a very, very good spot. At number two, Matt Olson to the Braves. We just talked about it. It replaces Freeman. He's a little younger. And it keeps Atlanta elite. It keeps them in the conversation for sure. And a number one, Freddie Freeman to the Dodgers. It brings an an impactful bat to the lineup and essentially replaces the gap that Seager left, the strong, powerful, good contact left-handed bat in the lineup. So, we'll see. Freeman to the Dodgers, Olsen to the Braves, and Scherzer to the Mets are my top three most impactful signings and acquisitions this season. So now we're going to touch up on a few other things just before we head out today. Um, It is March, and we are in March Madness. And the story this year 
is not how bad my bracket is, which it could be. I mean, one of the worst years I've had personally. I don't know about you, but oh my goodness, horrible bracket on this side. Um, but the Cinderella story is St. Peter's out of Jersey City, a 15 seed, upset Kentucky. Then they went on to beat Murray State, and now they have beaten Purdue and are going on to face North Carolina in the Elite Eight next weekend. That is going to be absolutely electric. Also, Kansas is the last one seed in the tournament. Both the Zags and Arizona lost, and, you know, it's it's, it's March Madness, baby, so... We uh, we're still going on and and watching those games. It, it's an awesome tournament. Um, I already lost a bet. You know, Froyo is going to be on me this year. I mean, I got it for free last year. My bracket was better, but this year not so much. So March hasn't been too kind. But man, St. Peter's out of Jersey City, which is just across the way from New York City, and college baseball has been electric this entire time. Last night was amazing. Texas Tech was hosting Texas in a rivalry game. There were two outs in the bottom of the ninth at a tie game with a two-strike count to the hitter. And the pitcher's in his set. He's in his set, and he's he got his sign. He looking at his glove and everything, and the next time he looks up, the runner from third had stole home. And by the time, literally, by the time he looked up, he was sliding in. And there was nothing he could do. Texas Tech walked it off on a steal of home. One of the most electric walk-offs I think I've ever seen. And Texas Tech won the game. Quite literally. And it's it's those things in college baseball that, you know, it's like, how do you not like this? Like, this is exciting. It's baseball. And, you know, these kids are just going insane i mean i know i would like they were uh, jumping and celebrating um the dog pile went close to the texas dugout like you know it's it's a rivalry game and the guy stole home to win it like that's awesome so that's uh that's that's all i got guys (laughs) so that's been it for this episode of the hard 90 if you like the episode Share it with some friends and family. Also, if you enjoyed the episode, please be sure to give the podcast a five-star rating and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Episodes are released on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, in addition to wherever you listen to your content. So take care, everybody, and I'll see you next time on The Hard 90.